This is an exclusive presentation of WoWo 1190 AM and 107.5 FM, Unholstered. Here we go, another edition of Unholstered. I am one of your hosts, Kayla Blakesley. Hopefully you're getting to know the show by now, but if you are tuning in for the very first time, um, I'm alongside my co-host, Sophia Rosales-Scatina. She'll introduce herself in a moment. Uh, But we are the local media and the local Fort Wayne Police Department joining forces to share and tell the stories of our police officers that oftentimes don't get told. And Sophia, that's obviously where you come in. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sophia Rosales-Catina. I am a captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department, and I am very uh, happy and grateful that we're doing the show in Holstered. So. I tell you what, I have been receiving so much positive, great feedback, and I'll be honest with you, in this industry, that doesn't usually happen this quickly. It usually takes six months to a year for a show to evolve and receive feedback like that. So a big shout out uh, to listeners who are reaching out and telling us that, because it's been amazing. Yeah, it's great, and I, we really like to know where you want this show to go, like in, in terms of topics or guests you went on. I am working on a few that you've asked for in the past. We're just trying to line them up uh, schedule-wise. Um, and that kind of threw a wrench in this week. We had a <laughs> schedule snafu. Um, it's National Police Week, um, October 13th to the 17th this week. And I was going to bring on some really special guests, but there was a medical emergency with one of them. So we have to back that up a little bit. Well, speaking of special guests, though, I would argue you are our special guest this week uh, in honor of National Police Officer Week. And, and you can explain a little bit why it it got postponed uh, to this month. But what I thought we could do, Sophia, is just spend some time really getting to know you in honor of National Police Officer Week. I think that you have a remarkable story. I don't know how much that folks know about you. We'll get into that. But First, why did National Police Officer Week get postponed, and what do you normally do during this week? So normally our National Police Officer Week is in May. Um, It's every year. And during the week, we celebrate those who have um, been killed in the line of duty. We honor them. We salute them. There's a large uh, police presence in Washington, D.C., where the National Memorial is, and names get put on that wall yearly, um, unfortunately. And um, all the families of the officers who are involved are flown out um, at the expense of uh, Police Week. Uh, And they're just celebrated. Their family member is recognized. And there's uh, thousands upon thousands of law enforcement officers who descend on Washington, D.C. And there's caravans. They pick the families up at the airport. They take them down to the memorial and all the festivities and all the parties. Um, the president usually gives remarks. He did this year um, as well. But it was postponed this year due to COVID, like most things. COVID ruins everything. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So they postponed it till this month, and they just are, were having the celebrations this week. So are all those celebrations actually still happening this month, even though, I mean, because we're still in the middle of this pandemic? It looks like they're all a go. Okay. I just saw the president had given remarks over the weekend um, to the families and officers in attendance. And I think those pro- the programming will go on as, as normal. I, I don't think it'll probably be as many people flown out, yeah. flying out there. Obviously, there's some flight restrictions and things like that. But um, I, there's still a... a a lot of people to celebrate this year. Is there anything done, you know, like locally within the Fort Wayne Police Department during this week? Uh, we didn't do it this week. We already had our memorial. We did have it in May. Our, our police and fire memorial is down on Wells Street. Mm-hmm. And every May we're out there during police week. Uh, the start of that usually on the Friday at 11 a.m. And we pay tribute to anyone that's um, been killed in the line of duty here locally in Allen County. Let's talk about you, Sophia. I just want to start from the beginning. I mean, did you... 
always grow up as a little girl and, and say, hey, mom, dad, I want to be a police officer someday. Uh, it was by happenstance, really. It was my last semester of college. I was an English major. I wasn't even a criminal justice major. I was an English major with a um, minor in interpersonal communication. And I decided uh, last minute, last semester, I needed a job, and the Fort Wayne Police Department was hiring. So I thought, I'll give it a try. Uh, if, I didn't li- if I didn't like it, I'll find something else. I initially thought I would be in public relations. Um, but, you know, as I ended as this job kind of came up, it was just like, you know what? I'm going to give this a try. It looks fun. Did it turn out, obviously, to be fun? Uh, the academy for me was not fun. Um, it was it was difficult. Uh, and But honestly, towards the end of it, I was having a lot of fun. What's the process like at the academy? So it's really paramilitary. It's a lot, a lot like boot camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and then couple that with a lot of classroom uh, learning. Um, instruction in firearms, defensive tactics. I mean, do you name it, you get it in the police academy. And, you know, it was a rough 20 weeks and it was, it was the, we were the first class to go locally. Normally um, they would send everyone down to ILEA, hmm. um, down in Plainfield. But this was the first year that I came on that we were hosting our own academy here that we could got, got to go home at night. Because when you're at ILEA, you, you have to stay there, right? stay yeah. there through the week. Um, so I was, I was happy that we got to do everything locally and it, it you know, I had a class of like 35 people, and I think we graduated 31. Is that just people drop out? They're like, oh, this isn't for me. I'm not going to make it. Or if you don't reach this bar, you're out. How does that work? Both. There's some people that dropped out. I I don't think too many people dropped out. Maybe one. Most of them were were released because they just weren't measuring up Mm -hmm. to the standards. So you get through the academy. Then what happens? I start my first um, day on the street um, as with a field training officer. And uh, that first day, you know, I'm all nervous because it's my first day and I'm thinking I can't possibly know what I'm doing. Uh, but that first day came and it went and I was like, wow, that wasn't bad. Um, they really do prepare you well in the academy. It, obviously, they can't teach you everything. So you're, that's why you rely on your field training officer and and you get a different one every month. So I went through the six months of field training and I just learned so much from everybody I was with. A lot of it, some of it was... A lot of it I learned was was great things, but then some of it was like, oh, I I know I never want to do that. Have you always been with the Fort Wayne Police Department or? Yes, always. How long? uh, Since 1994, so 27 years. A lot of times I run into police officers like, oh, I I worked for three years in Chicago or I was out, you know, wherever in South Bend for a couple of years and then came to Fort Wayne. But you've been that whole time over 20 years with the Fort Wayne Police Department. Yes. A lot of our officers are lateral transfers. They come from other departments just for family reasons or... You know, they just didn't like the city they were living in, so they come back to Fort Wayne where they're from normally or have family around here. So you're going to school. You're majoring in English. What on earth did your parents say when you came home and said, Mom and Dad, I think I'm going to go to the academy and be a police officer? And my parents have always been supportive of everything I've wanted to do. Uh, You know, I was the first person in my family to graduate from college. So it wasn't like they had any... Well, I'll take that back. My father owned a restaurant, and I'd worked there in there since I was 12, but my brother as well. And when he went to the fire department, my dad, I think, was counting on me to take over the business. Oh. But I knew that's not what I wanted to do. And, do you think there was some disappointment there? Uh, maybe a little bit, but I think, you know, overall, they were real supportive of what I wanted to do, and they knew I was making my own path. So um, 
they're very, very proud of me and my brother at this point. So I think they knew we, we chose the right career. What's interesting is you said that you thought maybe someday you'd be in a you know PR kind of role. <laughs> oh, go figure. Yeah. You ended up being the public information officer for the Fort Wayne Police Department. How did that happen? You know, it was one of those things where we had a public information officer that had been here for years. I mean, he was pretty much the go guy. And he was out of my class. So we came on together. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, Michael Joyner yeah. and I came on together. In I think everyone knew Joyner. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like that anyway. Yeah. And, you know, and that that position really catapults you in the community. Yeah. Everybody recognizes your face. Everybody knows who you are. Um, but, it, gosh, it was year like 24. And, I, you know, he was getting ready to retire. Yeah. And between him and uh, Deputy Chief McKinney, they decided it was me that they wanted to ask. So, uh, you know, I was looking for a change as well. Um, things had happened in my life that I just needed something different. And um, this opportunity was afforded to me, and I took it. I, I thought, oh, you know, hey, I've worked for this mm-hmm. my whole life, and it's been something I'd been interested in for a long time. So I think things were opening up at the, in a timely way for me. Are you able to share some of those things that you were going through at that time in your life that would prompted you to want to be a public information officer or to kind of change career paths a little bit? Yeah. So, you know, first and foremost, my heart would always be on the street. Yeah. I love being a patrol officer. I love the day-to-day runs. I love all that kind of stuff. But there was some some significant changes in my life over the past few years. In 2016, on April 24th, um, I was running lights and sirens to an emergency run um, for a hostage situation. And at Liberty Mills in Jefferson, I was struck by a vehicle. And um, it was probably, it was pretty much the second crash I'd been in, in my life, but obviously the absolute worst one. Um, it, I got T-boned on the driver's side. The truck was going anywhere between 40 and 50 miles an hour. And it hit me right into the driver's door. Uh, the Accident reconstructionist said that the door went in about 14 inches into the cabin and pinned me against the siren box that's in the middle of our squad cars. Um, I was pinned in there. The fireman had to use the jaws of life to get me out. I suffered multiple injuries, including a shattered pelvis. All my ribs on my left side were broken, and I had a bruised lung. So... I still remember that day. I still remember seeing the red truck barreling down on me. Um, I remember people running up to me and saying things. I don't know exactly who they were, but they were very helpful and and just helping me remain calm. Because, you know, with with broken ribs, uh, I couldn't breathe. Every breath was very shallow, and I, you know, you feel like you're suffocating. Well, then you had lung damage. Yeah. And, you know, one of the people there was an officer um, from another county, uh, from what I can remember. And I remember that officer kind of looking at another man who was sitting on the other side or on the passenger side, and they took my gun. And they didn't tell me what they were doing, and I panicked, and that threw me because I couldn't move. I was, like, literally pinned. I couldn't move, and someone was taking my gun. Mm. And I started panicking because I thought they were going to shoot me. And as far as that may seem to people, it's that's one of the most traumatic things is when someone takes your gun and you can't get it back, take it or or maintain it. That's a traumatic thing for an officer to go through. 
but he had told me he was a police officer, but in my mind still I didn't know who this other gentleman was. And obviously they knew each other because they were looking at each other and kind of – but I was kind of out of it, in and out of consciousness. So um, so that really, really affected me deeply um, in, in that whole situation. So fast forward, you know, I get to the hospital. I'm going to go to surgery the next day. I was stabilized in a lot of pain, a lot of pain. And um, – I, I went through the the surgeon was amazing. Um, to this day, I really have not had significant pain from that hip injury. I mean, literally, I didn't get a new hip or anything. He actually repaired what I had. Wow! I've got a bunch of chains and pins inside of that hip. Um, and anyone who's had broken ribs knows <laughs> that is probably the worst because because there's you, really nothing you can do for no. Broken you ribs, can't right? really yeah. breathe. You know, you can't really do anything. People try to tape them up, but yeah. really, that's pointless. They'll just heal on their own. I mean. But it's it's difficult. It makes breathing difficult. It makes moving difficult. Um, you know, I can't laugh. I can't sneeze. I can't cough without severe pain. Um, so everything was fine uh, for that first week. Yeah. Um, and then after that first week, they moved me to the rehab hospital. And that day I went over there. I remember I was so happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm finally moving my way back home. Because um, the hospital is nowhere to be. I don't like no, it. No, no. I know. You know, at that time, yeah. you know, my husband was was going back and forth. We had some foster children, so we were. He was taking care of kids. He was working a full time job, making the hospital every day, twice a day with for me. So he was just burning the candle at both ends. So they moved me to the rehab hospital, and he was kind of took a breath yeah. at that point because he knew every, everything was going to be okay. So I was at that rehab hospital that evening, and I just i I couldn't get comfortable. I you know, I was a little restless, and I didn't know if it was the bed, and, you know, I'm just, it's not my You're bed, not it's home. not my yep. pillow, mm-hmm. and, you know, I couldn't get comfortable there, so I am not a complainer. Like, I will, I I will not. not. I can vouch for that. <laughs> I will not press that button on a hospital bed until it's the very last moment <laughs> that I can't take something, so, but I ended up pressing that bed. I just couldn't get comfortable. In comes a nurse who I had known from St. Joe ER. Uh, we had known each other for years, and I didn't know she had moved over there. And just we got to talking, and I told her, you know, I just can't get comfortable. She's like, okay, well, let me run a few tests and make sure. Because I was explaining what, what, what I was feeling. Well, she comes back maybe 40 minutes later, and it's like, I've already called an ambulance. We've got to get you to the hospital. You have a, a lot of blood clots, and you need to be over at the ER. So... You know, I'm like, okay. Um, So they call my husband. um, He meets me at the ER. I'm there. And when I get there, you know, he tells me that they found several blood clots all over and some have traveled to my heart and my lungs. So I'm sitting in the ER in a lot of pain because I wasn't properly um, fit on that backboard that great. And my husband was all anxious because I was in such severe pain. and I didn't have any pain meds at that point. So I'm just sitting here in pain. Mm. I can't, and you know, and then in comes a gunshot wound victim. So they're working on that gunshot wound victim and I'm sitting here in pain and I'm like, I just need something. And so my husband was getting really, really agitated because um, I was there for hours um, oh in the gosh. ER while they tended to the gunshot victim. And finally they got me settled in. They moved me up to cardiac ICU and I stayed there for a long time. Um, they couldn't manage the blood clots. So they found that they had damaged my heart a little bit, um, and they just couldn't get them under control. So <clears throat> I spent about a month in the hospital at that point while they're just trying to control the blood clots, trying to clear them up. I had an intervena cava 
filter put in be, to and collect like the blood And like you said, in the meantime, clots. your husband's working full-time. Oh, yeah. You're fostering children. Yes. And he's running back and forth. He is. He is amazing. Amazing. Oh, my um, word. And literally making the, the trip, he would... Because I could not eat another hot day of hospital food. And I really wasn't hungry anyway, but he knew my favorite soup was lemon rice, lemon chicken rice, the Greek soup. Oh, yeah, so he would yeah. sneak out, get me some and bring it back. And I'd eat a little bit and um, we'd have dinner together or whatever. He'd bring the girls um, to see me and things like that. So um, he was doing a remarkable job for sure, um, just trying to keep it all together. So obviously you, you healed. They were able to get control of the blood clots and... Eventually, everything was uh, A-OK, I'm assuming, because you're sitting here in yeah, front of me, right? Yes, yes. Um, but did, so that prompted you to maybe get off the streets? No, not really. Um. <laughs> that would prompt me to get off the streets. It took me, you know, I went home. My husband built a ramp for me so I could get home. I was in a wheelchair um, for a while because I couldn't walk. I moved from wheelchair to walker to crutches to walking. And it took about, um, I would say, like, my accident was in April at January, I was walking. I was able to walk on my own um, oh my by then. But I was having significant issues getting in and out of a vehicle because it was that whole left side. And that as a driver, you're stepping out on your left side. And the doctor told me, he's like, you know, you're at the end of what physical therapy can do for you. The rest you have to do on your own. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> on my own. What do I what do I do? You know, and, you know. And I was kind of went home and I'm like, oh, my gosh, is this the end of my career? Because I'm thinking there's no I like I still could not get out very well from a car. Nothing near what I could what I needed to do as yeah. an officer. So um, I was kind of like, what am I going to do? And I had little flexibility, little mo- mobility. And lo and behold, I see this ad come across on um, a friend from work. And it's like there's heroes yoga. And I'm like looking. I'm like, what's hero yoga? And it's a no it's a yoga you're class. So into yoga now, <laughs> yes, I get it. Yes. So it's three rivers, three river, ah, three rivers yoga foundation put on a hero yoga for military and first responders. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to try that. So because I figured, oh, well, it'll help me stretch. It'll help me with mobility. You know, little did I know it would help me in so much more than that. So. I went to my first class and I absolutely loved it. The instructor modified everything for me so I could do it and not feel like I wasn't yeah. <laughs> keeping up. Because um, I'm a very competitive person. So if I can't keep up with the group, yeah. I will just, I'll get very frustrated and then I'll just, I'll you try harder. But, trying to, yeah. Yeah. But I'll probably hurt myself yeah. in the meantime. But she, she made adjustments for me and I went at, religiously every week um, for about a two months and I showed remarkable um, recovery in just in two months. I went there, I couldn't sit cross-legged um, and like you do at the end mm-hmm. and by the time those two months I could get to that position, I couldn't hold it for more than a few seconds but I could at least get to the position. So I knew what I was doing mm-hmm. there was working and my mental clarity was coming back as yeah. well. I mean there's a lot of um, just deep thought setting your mind in one place, thinking about only what's right in front of you. And that really helped. Well, it's a, it would be really humbling for anybody uh, to all of a sudden have to rely on a wheelchair and a walker and then not even being able to get in and out of a, a car like you're used to. Doing. I mean, that, that in itself would be an extremely humbling experience. And then you add on top of that, 
you know, the incident of your, your firearm being taken from you. I mean, there's a lot going on there, Sophia. Right. There's a lot in your head. And, you know, I'm just I've been an independent person for so long, having to rely on other people mm-hmm. really it's just a, such a fundamental change in my thinking, right? I had to rely on my husband for to help me in the shower. I had to re- help rely on him to, you know, help me get in the car when I was in that wheelchair. And I'll tell you, I have a new, I, I was always respectful of people with disabilities, but now it's just, it's, yeah. I get visibly angry because I'm usually in my personal car when it happens, but, you know, I'll see people parked over the handicap lines and Mm -hmm. you know so people with wheelchairs can't get in a vehicle because they have to unload that side to do it and now someone's so close that they can't do it that infuriates me Mm -hmm. people just running into a store parking in the handicap spot to pick up their coffee that Mm -hmm. they've ordered online oh i'm just in here in a minute Mm -hmm. no no i'd stand out there with my uh i i wrote several tickets to people doing that and then they get angry with me and i'm like you have no idea what it's like Mm -hmm. i mean Grateful that I don't have to live like that, but I have a new found respect for people that do. So then how did you end up, you go through all that. It's a wonder you didn't actually just walk away from the career yourself. You know, obviously you had that moment of what am I going to do just for some physical inabilities, but it's a wonder you just didn't think I'm done. I I can't go through something like this again. Yeah. And I think in my mind, when I'm ready to go, I want it to be my decision. I don't want it to be made for me, regardless if it's an injury or not. Mm -hmm. I want to make that decision when it's time for me to move on. And I wasn't going to let this be that. So I really worked hard at yoga. I really worked hard at my flexibility. Um, I was in yoga probably for four months. Um, And on April 5th of 2017, I was able to start back to work on my first day. Wow. Almost a full so, year almost later. Almost a full year. It was, uh, I think, 11 days shy of a full year. Wow. Did the department ever say, you know, hey, we we got to make sure you can do X, Y, and Z before we can allow you to come back? Or how, how does that work? Um, basically, they go through the doctor. So okay. when I go to the doctor, you know, and I was honest with them, and, you know, and I think they were You've surprised. Be, yeah. I think a lot of them were assuming I would just be gone. Yeah. Um, that, that would be my career ending thing but it's like I said I want it to be on on my terms and not someone someone else's so I really worked hard to get back and I did and I was really really grateful for that amen as am I so you're sitting here uh, with me and then though that still transpired into the PIO role then is that what then you you were looking for a little bit of a change then I still love the street at that point and it was just one of those things that I was I've always been interested in it. I just love doing mm-hmm. And I was still on third shift at the time. Um, I love third shift. That was that was my shift. I'd worked that most of my career. So um, fast forward. the third forward. shift the shift that most people hate? You know, some people do. And I, and I fought hating it, too. Sometimes you get in those sleep cycles where you yeah. just can't sleep. And then other times I was fine. So I, at that point, I was fine. I was just happy to be back to work yeah. and happy to be with, with my brothers and sisters on that shift because you know you you form those tight family bonds and I mean I had a lot of visitors I had a lot of of people that cared about me that stopped in or checked on me uh, those kinds of things so when they say this is a family a police family they really mean it um so I got back to work we were um during that time we had we had lost some foster kids that we had had for a while and it was devastating and my husband was back to work and I was back to work and um, so we were moving on and we were still fostering as Mm -hmm. we could and um, we had 
through those stumbling blocks of losing kids, you know, it was one of those things where we really had to reevaluate, like, what are we doing? I mean, emotionally, it's it's draining. Yeah. Losing, losing kids, you think you might uh, be getting on a permanent basis. And um, I was really frustrated. So uh, we had stopped with, with our county here, and, and a coworker asked me to talk to his wife who worked in another county for DCS, and I did. And she's like, I can help you. And, you know, we have lots of kids that are eligible for adoption, you know, because we just weren't getting the adoptable children. We were getting temporary foster placements, but that's not what we wanted. How long did you guys foster children for? I want to say it was six or seven years. It was a long time. Uh, We had in that time frame, not a lot of kids, um, probably 10 to 12 over the course of that time. And... um, you know, but our whole basis of doing that is we just wanted to adopt some children. Yeah. So, you know, fast forward to moving on to a different county and, you know, they had given us a temporary a placement and it just didn't work out. It was just, it was just, it was a difficult placement, but um, it just wasn't what wasn't meant to be. So um, we did a temporary placement for them. And then I taught when that temporary placement caseworker came. I was like, you know, I said, I'm putting the word out. We just want to adopt some kids. Yeah. And she looked at me and she's like, I've got kids and they're ready for adoption. I'm like, okay. She goes, well, do you want to meet them? I'm like, well, can you hand me their packets? Oh my word, it was that quick. It was that quick. I'm like, can we, can After six or seven years and holy smoke. (laughs) Yeah. And she's like, "Um, yeah, I can get you their packets. And I'm like, okay. And then she's like, well, here they are. And she knew what she was doing. Yeah. She put that oh, photo yeah. in front of me of both of those kids. You're, you were done for. And I was done. Yeah. I just looked at them and I'm like, those are, oh, my those gosh. Are my kids. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I That's told my beautiful. husband I was all excited. And he's like, okay, when are we meeting them? And um, I'm like, actually, we had a couple of days. I mean, this thing was, went, was moving very fast. And because they had been in foster care for a while. And um, I think we met them within a week. And I went to pick them up, and they got in the car, and um, um, the girl never stopped talking. Like, the entire trip, I, like, had to stop her from talking so I could hear from her brother. And um, we went home. I started making dinner. My husband came home, and they immediately bonded by, hey, what are you doing in my house? And she's like, what are you doing in my house? And, you know, (laughs) then it went on from there. But we, we bonded immediately. And when we took them back to their foster home, I looked at my husband. He looked at me, and we both were like, those are our kids. Oh, so gosh. we met, I went back home and I made the phone call. I'm like, you know, we'll take them, <laughs> you know, as if it's some kind wow. of like puppy or something. But I'm like, they were just amazing. Um, so you definitely had some life changes. We did. We did. And so moving forward, you know, this is still in April. Um, so this is April just as you came back just to Just as work I came back to accident. work. Yeah. Actually, um, the boy celebrated his 11th birthday at our home because they were coming in on the weekends it was the end of school for them okay. we didn't want to move that late in the school year i mean they only had a few weeks left makes sense so they were coming on the weekends gradually moving their stuff in and we were preparing the house getting rooms painted things like that um so fast forward you know my husband's going on this fishing trip he's taking our soon-to-be son and i was staying home with our soon-to-be daughter and um you know, they go on this fishing trip and they're they're sending me pictures of catching these big fish and they're all excited and you know, the big smiles on my husband's face and my son's face. Now my son. Mm-hmm. And um, they come home and they, all the fish is filleted. It's all in the freezer and I they filleted it all up there for him. And he come my I go to work that evening and 
my husband's like, ah, you know, I'm really tired. I'm going to go to go to bed. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to work anyway. It's like 10 o'clock. The kids were in bed. And um, about 4 a.m. he calls me and he said he wasn't feeling well. And um, for my husband to tell me he's not feeling well, like most men, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it takes a lot. Yeah. Um, but he hadn't, he'd been a little run down the whole week before, a little felt like he had the flu, cold, something like that. And um, so he, I'm telling him, well, what's going on? And he's like, I think I passed out and I'm, not, I'm clammy, you know, my back hurts. And I'm like, okay, that's not good. So I call the radio, I'm working. So I call the radio, I'm like, can you send an ambulance to my house? I think my husband might be having a heart attack. So they send the ambulance to the house, and whenever they send fire, or the ambulance, they send fire as well. So the fire department's just up the street from our house, so I actually met them there. We were both pulling up at the same time, so we went in the house, and he was conscious, alert. Uh, they gave him an aspirin, put him on oxygen, but we had to wait for the medics to see if mm-hmm. he was really having a heart attack. They have the machine to tell. So as soon as they got there, like two minutes later, they hooked him up. Immediately they saw it, so off we were going we're about a mile from the hospital so we get there and you know i'm like okay you know we're where we need to be um he's joking with the er doctor in the in the emergency room they've already called to call called the cardiologist um they everything's in line there's no there's not a lot of people there it's it's a sunday morning it was mother's day morning and um you know, we're sitting there and I'm like, okay. I said, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, hey, well, we're going out of here with an exercise diet plan and uh, some cardio help here. And they wheel him back and, you know, I'm like, okay, I'll see you in a bit. And he's like, okay. And they wheel him back and they're in the cath lab. And I'm in the waiting room and it's just me. Like, I'm still in uniform. It's just me in the waiting room and it's 5 a.m. And, um, all of a sudden, I just hear cold blues coming over. And I'm looking around the ER thinking, I wonder who are those for? You know, but I'm the only one there. And I know it's from the cath lab, and I know my husband's in there. So I'm standing there, and I'm like, okay, I, I probably ought to call somebody. My brother was already at my house watching the kids. And I called my good friend who lives in my neighborhood a short distance away. I'm like, hey, can you get here? My husband's having a heart attack. And we all knew each other. We were all good friends. So she woke her husband up. They came down. I called my parents. I called his mother. Um, and while I'm sitting there, while I'm making these phone calls, you know, the code blues just keep coming mm-hmm. one after another after another. And I think just after his mom got there, a nurse exited, you know, the doors and she's just bawling. And I recognize her. She's a friend of mine and my husband's. And it was actually another officer's wife. Um and she's crying, so I, I knew. I knew by the way she was crying. And he had passed. And my heart just just dropped. Um, you know, he, he was amazing. He took care of me for so long. And when I really needed him. And um, he was just such an amazing husband to me. So I made my phone calls that I needed to make to different family members and friends. And um, I've got two kids at home who are just new to our house. They just met him. They just met us. And I don't know how to tell them. And, you know, my brother's there. And my mom did a really good job about calling my brother. And my friends were calling, you know, coworkers and stuff. And because we all knew each other. We were all really good friends. And, you know, I, 
but I got to do what I got to do. I got to tell the kids. So I went home and I told them. And I think they were just in shock. I don't know that or they really grasped that mm-hmm. right away. And I don't think that I did either. <laughs> you know, um, it's Mother's Day. The, the kids were at the house. They were coming Wednesday for permanency. Like they were moving in for good on Wednesday. And then they he died on Sunday. So um, in what should have been a really joyous time in our home turned into a sad time because now my kids on Wednesday instead of coming they still came on Wednesday but they're attending a funeral I don't I don't know if this question's allowed but I mean obviously I know that these kids are still your kids yeah. you know these are your children today but was there ever um a moment of I can't do this alone or maybe these children don't don't want a single parent home I mean you know yeah I I, I was stunned like I didn't know if I could do it alone I you know I I'd never raised children before. I mean, his son, you know, I was a stepmom, and his son would occasionally stay with us in the last couple of years, but he was an older teen. I'd never raised, like, preteens. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that thought came up often, like, can I do this? And I, I basically I had a conversation with them, you know, a few months into this, and I told them, I said, I know you were looking for a two-parent household, and that's what you expected to ha- have here. I said, I don't, obviously that's not it anymore. I said, but if you're willing, I'm okay with moving on. But if you want to hold out for two parents, I said, I completely understand. And you can stay here as long as you want until that happens. And they both looked at me and they're like, but I said, but if you're in, I'm in. Mm -hmm. And they're like, we're in. So from that moment forward, we knew we were going to be a family Mm -hmm. eventually. Mm Mm-hmm. So there are prerequisite time frames that you have to keep children for so long before you can adopt. Um, but it just so happened. But you knew you were on that road. I knew I was on that road. And, you know, like I said before, I'm a woman of faith. And people always say that God gives you what you can handle. Um, I don't know what he was throwing at me. <laughs> he must think I was a lot stronger than I thought I was. Well, I started this episode by saying that you're have a remarkable story and you're a remarkable person and I I mean I think your story is absolutely proof of that that you could handle what God threw at you and I I know there's moments when we all question are you sure God are you sure I can handle this one more often than Um, not (laughs) yeah and I I I can't fathom it yeah but yet here you are here you're standing you've been with the police department for over 20 years like I said if that doesn't if that doesn't say remarkable I don't know what what does and it's great timing with National Police Officer Week to honor you, that we can honor you here on this show. Um, I'm not normally one to be brought to tears or, you know, I'm a crier on the inside, right? Yeah, you know? me too, um, me too. <laughs> but, man, Sophia, if anyone listening to your story right now doesn't get choked up, then, I, you know, that, that would shock me. That would stun me. You know, it's, I'm not a quitter. I never have been. I've. I fight I'm learning that about you. <laughs> I fight tooth and nail for things I believe in. And, you know, as hard as it may be sometimes to do things, I still press on. And, you know, there are days when I lose my cool with my kids, and they can tell you that. Um, it's been recently, as a matter of fact, <laughs> you know. And, but in the end, I love them as if they were my own kids. And I, I just love kids, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, that was it's been a tough few years, but when we were able to adopt, um, when I was able to finalize that adoption, it was actually on my husband's birthday. 
um, the following year. Oh, so it was word. March 20th. Um, and it God was 2018 ways. and it, it's, it's amazing. And I'm, and then I took my promotion to Sergeant, which was right when I just became the PIO on our wedding anniversary. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, these things are, so I know he's still here yeah. playing a hand in everything. Absolutely. And those little marks show me that. And, you know, it's, it's hard to lose your biggest supporter, your biggest encourager, uh, your protector. Yeah. Um, and, and for a woman like me, it's really hard to feel protected, but he had that hands down. Mm-hmm. And I knew he had my back no matter what. In front of me, behind my back, in front of my face, I knew he was always there and always on my side. And, you know, you don't always get that with people, mm, no, even with no, people you you're supposed to trust. Mm-hmm. So um, I, that he's he's really missed. And I still get people coming up to me and asking me, you know, Katina, it's not a real common name. And I'm like, no, it's not. Are you married? And his dad was a teacher here in town. And his dad apparently touched a lot of lives as a teacher because I still get people coming up to me. Oh, my gosh. So Sophia Rosales Katina. Yes. Is Rosales your maiden name? My maiden name. Yes. Yes. Now it makes sense. Yes. And, you know, it's just been it's so it's been crazy. It's been a real crazy ride, but I wouldn't change it for anything. Um, I he went from police officer to public information officer to sergeant to now a captain with yes. the Fort Wayne Police Department. Yes, and it's been a short period of time, but you know yeah, it has. I because I feel like just yesterday you were the PIO. I know, and it feels like just yesterday. And I'm st- you know, and I took this new promotion in April, and that was unbeknownst to any of us. I mean, things just changed on the police department. Uh, vacancies opened up, and there's just a natural regression. And the, I, I'm glad the chief had confidence in me to continue my upward mobility here and and that's why I always strive to do a good job and I just want to be that person my kids look and like look my mom works hard you know she does a good job she has integrity she has you know character she has morals and you know sometimes it's a struggle mm-hmm. <laughs> um well, that's all know, of keeping us, all of those and yeah. and I know like several people still have struggles like mine but I want you to know there is you know you can overcome most things well, that's my hope in, in you being so transparent, which I appreciate that in sharing your story, is just that listeners and, and people remember that our first responders, our police officers, our firefighters, our EMTs, you know, you're all you're all people, too. You're all humans, too. You've got a lot of stuff going on in your personal lives every single day. And yet you still choose to, I said it before, serve and protect our community. You still choose day in and day out to step up and show up for the job, and especially after everything you went through, Sophia. I don't know that I would have still showed up. So I said it 20 times, and I think for as long as I know you, I'm going to keep saying it. You're a remarkable person, and I just hope people glean that from today's show when it comes to National Police Officer Week, you know, that our police officers are real people, too. Yeah, I hope so. And I hope they understand that, you know, we're out here struggling to keep this community safe and that we have families we want to go home to. And, you know, I I struggle with that, too, as a single mom to two kids who already lost the dad of their dreams. You you value your life differently. I do. And, you know, while my heart is still on the street, my priorities now are just have shifted. And after 27 years, I think they're allowed to shift. I shouldn't be so hard on myself. Give yourself a little grace, Sophia. You've earned it. It's really hard. But, uh, you know, priorities shift and mine did. And now I'm just trying to make these two children's lives a little bit better and make them see that they have a different path that they can choose uh, rather than what they've come from. What's next? I said it. You went from police officer to PIO to sergeant to a captain. I mean, what what's next for you? I don't know. <laughs> and you know what? I'm okay with that. 
I'm going to just podcast of, host, you know, I, I got to throw that in there too, or a radio show host. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. Well, I'm here now. You are. Right? Um, but I don't know what's next. And it could be anything, you know, my, my, I'm just open to whatever possibilities come my way. And if it isn't policing, then maybe it's not policing. I don't know. Well, I am we'll so see. proud of you. I'm so proud that I know you, that I can call you a friend and, and a co-host. And I have been truly touched truly moved by your story. And I know that there are police officers, firefighters, uh, first responders that have stories like yours, that you're not alone in that. Um, and I just, I would truly, truly hope that listeners glean that from, from today's episode, that our first responders are real people, that our police officers are humans, just like we are. And it's remarkable. You have chosen to be your own sunshine, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. A lot of people could benefit from having an attitude like that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, and I'm humbled by that as well. Well, it is National Police Officer Week. Uh, Hopefully, Sophia's story moved you. Please honor our police officers, whether it's a smile, you buy them coffee, give them a high five, whatever it might be. I always say that, you know. Um, but moving forward, what do we have up next? Boy, I don't even know how you move on from that. I don't even know how you follow that up. Well, I have to give people schedules, but I know coming up soon, we, you know, in honor of police week, we were yeah. going to have uh, three first responder widows on Jeez, to talk about their stories. Take, take these stories, um, Sophia. Yeah, because I know that's important. It's important it for people to know what people are sacrificing for our communities. So I was going to have them on, but, you know, so we'll obviously see when they can get back to us. And then also um, our SWAT commander was going to come on. We wanted to ask him a few questions about how our SWAT or emergency services team works. Um, and you had some questions about when do you go in, when I've do you not go in, what kind of equipment do you use, and how do you judge that? So he was willing to come on, but right now they're at um, basic SWAT school and learning, teaching some new uh, people coming on this emergency services team the fundamentals of everything. So he'll be back in a few weeks. So we'll we'll figure out something Sounds by the time good next to me. week rolls around. Definitely tune in for that. If you've missed any previous episodes of Unholstered, you can download them anywhere. You can download a podcast or back here every Saturday morning at 1030 here on WoWo with your town, your team, your topics. This is Unholstered. Thanks for listening to Unholstered. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. And remember, you can listen every Saturday morning at 1030 on WoWo 1190 and 1075 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media.